0: Welcome to The MS Dev Show, episode number 78. This week we talk with Sarah Dukavich about mentoring in the Software Guild, how to play the secret dinosaur game you already have installed, and we talk about Volkswagening. This episode of The MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics. Their developer toolkits provide world-class controls targeting Windows, Web, iOS, Android, forms, and more. Whether you're an individual developer or part of an enterprise team, they have something for you. Check out the latest today at Infragistics.com. This week we're talking to Sarah Dekavic, Microsoft.net MVP, developer mentor at the Software Guild. Uh, she runs the Cleveland Tech Events and she's a mother of two geeklings and is married to an awesome IT guy. Welcome, Sarah.
1: Thank you guys for having me here.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a pretty cool intro. So, you got uh, you got two geeklings. Huh? What what makes them geeklings?
1: Um, because both my husband and I are geeks. My husband does the IT side, the hardware, the networking side of things, uh, <laughs> loves playing with the Arduinos, and we've got Arduinos talking to sensors and doing stuff, and then me on the software side, and both of our, uh, we have two little boys, and both of them seem to have our tendencies of taking things apart, breaking things, and then trying to put them back together. <laughs> and they also like playing with our computers,
0: too. So it's definitely uh, genetic, like it's, uh, what is that, <laughs> yeah. um... They're like even even if they're recessive genes, since it's two two geek parents, then the the children have to be geeks. <laughs> they have to be geeks too. <laughs> that they're makes sense. That's I mean, it's works. it's basically simple genetics.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they can't help it. They were born yeah. that way.
0: And then and then actually, I I got to kick it out of this too because I was looking at your LinkedIn page and somebody um described you as geek tacular. <laughs> yes,
1: that <laughs> which, is me.
0: Which is awesome in like a professional recommendation. <laughs> 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 that was that was really cool. And then you have uh an interesting nickname too. Do you want to tell us about tell us about that?
1: Yeah, so I I go by the nickname Saduki. Mm-hmm. Um the sub part is from Sarah and the Duki's from my last name Dukevich. So mm-hmm. my husband Kevin, he's either been Duke or Duki growing up. And so we were going out together. This was back in college. There were about six of us going out to eat and trying to decide on a place. But we were split down the line as to where we were going. And mm-hmm. so my friend Pete's like, well, the Saduki counts as one vote. And then that way we were able to go. So I was like, the Suduki, <laughs> I kind of like how that sounds. And when I got married, I took my husband's last name. And so I was like, well, now I can carry the nickname all by myself. And he was fine with that. So
0: yeah, but it's hard to say Saduki Dukevich 10 times quickly, right? <laughs>
1: Oh, no, no. Just call me Saduki. The Dookie part covers Dukavich. The soft part covers Sarah.
0: It's all Oh, good. okay, okay. So it uh, overpowers that. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Carl, what do we have for feedback this week? Uh, this week, uh, for feedback, we have an iTunes review from My Girls. Um, it was a five-star review. <laughs> I thought, I'm like, what are you talking about? No, it's literally... My GRLS. Yeah. My girls. Yep. Yep. I was just confused for a second.
2: Yeah. It's a five-star review. Uh, said such a good show. Uh, love the information and how easy we are to listen to. So, uh, thanks a lot. We uh, liked how easy your
0: review was to read as well. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Yeah, we love those uh, five-star iTunes reviews. Those really, really help. And if actually iTunes has a little gauge of like popularity. And if you look like every episode, we, we've maxed out that bar now, but for the past 20 episodes, that's been growing. So that's due to you know all of our listeners going on there, leaving reviews, listening to the podcast. That really helps. Uh, so what did she win? So she won the uh, Infragistics Ultimate license, and uh,
2: that's a $2,000 license. So if you want to When that just leave a comment on our Facebook on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Twitter, wherever we have a place
0: for feedback. Uh, You can even email us at feedback at MSDevShow.com. Okay, so let's get into the news. So the first one here, Microsoft now killing off Windows Phone dot (laughs) com. A whole bunch of people just had a heart attack. (laughs) Yeah. So Uh, so if
2: if you go to windowsphone.com, it's going to redirect to the universal store. So in the past, if you had a link for an application, those all redirect now. So Mm -hmm. um, if you notice that, that's not a sign that they're killing off Windows Phone. It's just they're killing off their portal for the individual website for
0: mobile. Yeah. And there's just not much of a reason to differentiate, right? I mean, Windows Phone is just Windows. So why have it separated? Okay, and then this next one, Volkswagen Library. <laughs> this one was just, this is just hilarious. It detects when your tests yeah, are being... I, I, oh, go ahead, Carl.
2: Yeah, I, I love this. Uh, it's, uh, you know, f- with the Volkswagen controversy that where it passes only when it's being tested, Right. Uh, this is a library that is detects when it's being run in a CI server and will make all of your tests pass <laughs> when they're being actually tested.
0: Yeah, which I didn't find that amusing until until I went in, and, and, and the path is... Dot these slash aren't slash the slash source slash files. Anyway, so it's it's these aren't the source files you're look you're looking for, right? So I, it's four dot JS. So I go into this thing and I'm just looking at the source code. And you scroll down and under function assert, I love this var ok equals function, but then it says ok dot ok equals no op, ok dot fail equals no op, ok dot equal equals no op. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> every single possible assertion is just a no-op. So yeah, it guarantees that all your uh, tests will pass, which uh, uh, aren't there times when, (laughs) when I would like legitimately use this thing and, uh, and just, you know, check it in and call it a day. (laughs) So yeah, that one is, uh, that's pretty amusing. So we need like a, we need like a a verb for that though. I totally Volkswagen that. (laughs) Okay. Hidden game in Chrome. So we're kind of late to the, or I should say I'm late to the party here. <laughs> but apparently there there are people that uh, aren't aware of this. But Sarah, you said that you were very aware of
1: this. I, I am very aware. So for some reason, I have this aura around me. I attract bad, bad networks. I get networks to fall down at my feet. Horribly so. Yeah. <laughs> and so I get knocked offline. And I use Google Chrome a lot. Being on the web development side a lot of the time, I prefer Chrome just because of the tools and how well it mm-hmm. works and a lot of the, the ways from a teaching perspective, because that's what I do here at the Guild. Um, but I love using Chrome for that. Well, if I'm in Chrome and I go offline, I noticed, oh, this was a while back in this update, they put a little dinosaur there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, what is that dinosaur thing? And learn it's a game. And you have to jump over cactuses and you use spacebar to jump over the cactuses. And when you die, it, it, you can just press spacebar and start all
0: over again. Well, that's the trick, right? To start this thing, you have to hit the spacebar, right? Like, it's not, yeah. I don't think it's obvious that there's a game there because I never looked twice at it. I'm just like, oh, well, you know, how cute they put a little dinosaur in there.
1: It's a dinosaur sc- side scroller in Chrome. It's yeah. genius. Especially, like I said, on the networks I get that keep going down, I have a way to to kill that. Let's yeah, play game.
0: It, yeah, do you know a way of like forcing it to happen other than like unplugging your internet? Uh, that I don't. <laughs> I haven't figured out a way to do that, but uh, Can I do Chrome dinosaur. I mean, that would be awesome if I could do. You know I how Chrome has turn... like
1: Chrome colon slash slash and then some yeah. stuff to do. Yeah, That'd yeah, cool.
0: Yeah, I wonder if they have that in there somewhere. Because the way I found out about this is my my son he had to he had to work on his homework, so you know I brought my laptop with me and. I said, here, do it on here. And of course, there was no internet initially because I hadn't turned on the personal hotspot. And he didn't tell me, though. He's just like sitting there. And I, I was, I, I'm, I'm going on the road. I'm like, wait a second. I never turned on the internet. Like, how's he getting his work done? And I look over and he's sitting there jumping this. I'm like, what the heck are you doing? And he's like, oh, there's a game in Chrome. So, you know, like him and all of his friends know about it. Um, and that's how I found out about it. So it was from my, basically from my 10-year-old son. Um, so that's how I'm finding all the the cool stuff out there now. <laughs> that's awesome. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, that'll fill your time the next time the internet goes down. Uh, and here's a browser that doesn't have this feature. There's a new browser called Vivaldi. You want to talk about this, Carl? Because I hadn't heard about this until today.
2: Yes. Uh, a couple of days ago, I found out about this browser. It's like you said, called Vivaldi. And I think the interesting part for me is um, it, it's still not completely out. It's still in technical preview, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, uh, well, it was started by a former CEO of Opera. So uh, the people behind this at least have as experience with browsers mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's got a really cool design and kind of adapts to what you're working on. Um I, I think it's you know it would be great uh, to just check out as an alter alternate. Um, I haven't quite had a chance to check it out yet, but uh, it looks really interesting and it looks really clean and modern
0: yeah i I don't know if you if you ever tried opera back in the day, but it was actually I used it for probably a couple weeks one time. It was. <laughs> You know, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> my experimental days in college, you know, uh, no. So I, I had, I had used opera and what was amazing is it was, it was like the download was like a fifth of the size of any other browser, but it had a full mail client and it had a news reader, and it had all this other stuff and it was blazing fast. Like it was really really amazing technology, but it it just never really took off in a huge way. I know that they made like cross platform uh, versions of it that that you know were sort of popular, like on the Wii, I think on the Wii, like they used Opera on on certain phones and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it was actually a good browser, um, you know. So if this thing is. Taking some of those things, it, it it actually has a shot. I I never did understand the the idea of having an email client into your in your web browser, but you know uh, to each his own, I guess.
1: <laughs> oh, the Netscape Suite back in the day had that kind of stuff too.
0: Yeah, well, it, in Netscape though, was it was it built into the browser? Because uh, I know it would come as like a yeah. It, it would was be part like of a,
1: it was part of a suite because it was Communicator yeah. Navigator. Yeah,
0: right. Right. Exactly. And then even with like Firefox, there's like Thunderbird and things like that. But this is, um, the email is, is built into the browser, which is just really, that's odd. I know it's just a weird pairing. Like what, what does email have to do with your browser? I'm sure they have, uh, they probably have some well thought out answer to that. But um, I always thought that was a little odd, but, but that being said, it was the, the email client in the browser was still smaller that, you know, all of that package together was still smaller than any other email client, which I found, um, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so you're switching this Carl. I'm, I'm definitely going to try it out for a little bit. I, I can't say I'm going to switch just because I always find reasons to go back to Chrome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always like something missing, and I I keep I keep talking to like the the edge team, and I'm like, I just need like these two features, man. Like, we, <laughs> like well,
1: now we, you need like to read, extensions? But you need to add a dinosaur. Well, game.
0: extensions are obvious. Yeah, dinosaur game. No, actually, the the biggest one for me, and this is going to sound so silly. Chrome is the only does this is having bookmarks in the bookmark bar that don't have to have a name. So you can't do it in IE. So if you in IE, it you can sort of do it by giving the uh, the bookmark, you can basically give it the name that's a, a space and you can do it, but then like in any other list, it's just like an empty name. Uh, so Chrome just handles it wonderfully. And, um, yeah, so that, that's one of the things that's holding me back, but yeah, if it gets that plus extensions, then edge would be extremely viable for me. So I think it's just a matter of time now.
2: Yeah. I essentially need last pass.
0: Oh yeah. that Well, you're going to have that though, because I mean, they've already said that, um, it's basically um, going to be able to use, you know, nearly unaltered Chrome extensions or maybe even unaltered. I don't I don't know. Excellent. Yep. Uh, OK, so next one here. Bootstrap Studio. So I played around with this. What what do you think, Carl? Did you? This was your news story. So I don't. Did you even play with it?
2: <laughs> yeah. So
0: <what? laughs> he's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> this is That's really stupid. <laughs> Nah. <laughs>
2: yeah, so what what the, what this is cool for is this is an editor that lets you kind of like GUI style drag and drop build a website with elements and as it does that it's automatically going to put all the bootstrap tags on there. So as you put a button on it's going to fill in, you know, the Bootstrap elements to style your button correctly. It's mm-hmm. uh, it'll help you make it responsive. It'll add like the classes that are hard to remember, like the call dash md eight. I don't know what it is, but it's needed to get Bootstrap all wired in correctly. And <laughs> I, you know, you know, and and this is where I think it's great and where it falls down. This is a this would make a great plugin for Visual Studio or something like that. But at the same that's time, I, I'm not going to build my entire website like this and then copy it over piece by piece. You know, I, I want this functionality built into Visual Studio. Um, I don't know how you guys feel, but that's, you know, that's how I'm building websites. I'm building, you know, MVC style websites. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not building the entire thing, you know,
0: up front as static. Um, I, I So... So I think, I think the reason that you say that, and I, I agree, so don't, don't get me wrong, but I think the reason you say that is that, um, you know, you've just, you've, you've probably become accustomed to these editors being bad. Um, and, and I agree. I mean, having it in visual studio or integrated somehow easily would, would really help. There's only been two gooey you know, like drag and drop editors, like in my entire lifetime that, that I thought were actually good. And they're, they're, you're probably going to think I'm crazy, but one was in like VB6. And the only reason I say it was good was because like it actually worked. Like you drop your stuff in and like that was your app. And, mm-hmm. and part of it was that was the only reason – that was the only way to do it. So that was how they got it to work. They didn't have to do this whole round tripping between like XAML and, and you know, what, what you actually see. The other one, which actually did support round tripping, was Adobe Flex. So the, oh, the, the GUI editor <laughs> was actually in, – in my experience, I used it for a few months – uh, working on a pretty big project, it was absolute it was absolutely perfect for flow layouts and all that kind of stuff. You can drag and drop everything in there. Then you could go into the code and maybe make some changes there. You could flip back over and it was just perfect every time. Like you you could see in the designer what it was actually going to look like. Um so I think I think if we had if we had uh you know better um experiences with those types of editors then we would be more likely to want to use something like this. So if this thing is is like perfectly executed I think you're you're gonna you're gonna use it. Um, even I, I think you're gonna use it maybe for for the initial design. And even if you don't use it for that, um, if it's really good at loading stuff that exists already and visualizing it, which it probably isn't, um, just because these things don't have a history of that. Uh, but if it does, then I think that you would you would pay the price of of switching apps and and using it.
2: Yeah, uh, one workflow that I could see doing, and like you said, this is if they support that is, you know, mm-hmm. I build a lot of stuff in like partial views, and mm-hmm. if
0: it could build those partial views with that preview, um, that would be an outstanding use of yeah. this tool. And I'm just not holding my breath because these things usually suck. <laughs> so <laughs> so I'm hoping that this thing is different. The nice thing is that it has good constructs like, uh, uh Bootstrap has pretty easy to use constructs, right? So like you were talking about the call MD thing, uh, like those are actually pretty simple to use um, and they, and they support good practices out of the box where HTML just lets you do like evil things. So uh, maybe, I don't know. I I played around with the web version of this. I am going to give this a try. Uh, like you said, though, I, I, I suspect that if you have partials, I mean, the fact is you, you probably have some code that sort of pieces together your website. This thing probably completely fails at that um, because it's not able to actually run that. So I don't, I don't have a lot of hope, but I am going to check it out for sure. I'll give it a chance. Uh, okay. (laughs) This next one is awesome. Abusing emoji in windows. (laughs) (laughs) So the, to make a long story short, windows has awesome emoji support like everywhere, Including your username, file names, pretty much text you can put in anywhere, and I'll I'll let you guys talk about what you're what what you want to use this for. But one of my favorite uses here is that the AM and PM in your system clock, uh, you can actually switch AM to a donut, for example, and PM to uh, you know two drinks. Uh, so I'm totally going to do that because it's either donut time or it's drinking time. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Sarah, I know you really like this too. So what are you going to use this for?
1: I'm laughing at – they have an example here talking about the monkeys and using the monkeys for your login. Um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I call my my two little boys – I call them monkeys, and I've always got nieces and nephews. They're monkeys, and I love monkeys. I have the Thinky Monkey sticker on my laptop. I'm all about monkeys, so I probably will do that just because it's so cute that it's hysterical to
0: see. So it's like – What's your – actually, that was for the login, I see. Yeah.
1: But you could – So what's your login name? It's monkeys. It's here. no evil, see, no evil, speak, no evil. And they'll be like, what?
0: (laughs) But it has to be in that order. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And you could make your – yeah, you could make your password like pile of poo or something. (laughs) How do do you enter these things? Do they come up on the regular –
1: I know how to do it on the keyboard? touchscreen keyboard. Yeah, the touchscreen keyboard. Uh, if you press the smile, well, so I'm on a Lenovo oh, yeah. with Windows Here 10, it is. and it, okay. if you press the smiley face, you unlock all sorts of emoji that way.
0: Yeah, I'm just looking for the for the monkeys. I see pumpkin. I see lips. Yeah, it's, it must be in there. There's just there's a ton of them.
2: Yeah, I think one of the cool things is like you know he showed on the start menu you, you can group your uh, icons and live tiles together. And one of them, for example, uses pile of poo and puts the word cool in front of it. So uh,
0: (laughs) cool poo is what that means. Yeah. My, my kids, they were laughing hysterically because I'm going to, I'm going to show you and obviously for the, for the listeners, they can't see this, but the, the, um, I have all the, the Apple crap that you can't install. Like on the iPhone, I have it in, in a folder that's basically three piles of poo.
1: (laughs) (laughs) awesome.
0: Yeah, and and it's funny because my my kids, I don't, They were looking at something on here, and they're just like, they my 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 ten year old, like he fell on the floor. He was laughing that hysterically because you know, <laughs> on the iPhone, you can do the same thing. You can use emoji pretty much everywhere, so you can literally name folders, uh, you know, poo poo poo. So
1: this I mean, this this cracks me up because I remember early in the day we used to have to deal with like wing dings and and tree yeah. or dingbats. We had to rely on fonts to do this, and now they're just like, hey, look, it's all right here. So much yeah. easier.
0: Yep. It was like, it was like code. Yeah. This is, the, you can even do file names. Uh, your computer name can be a castle, a picture of a castle. <laughs> so we'll have a link to this in the show notes so that you can play around with this. Uh, it is very cool though. Uh, let's see here. Last one, secret code and color printers enables government tracking. So, wow, this is really a downer after the, <laughs> all the other ones we had. Um, I don't know. I, I know that, you know, most people know that like all printers print this secret code like all over the page whenever you print, it's these little yellow dots. Maybe, maybe some of you are just learning about this. But every printer has this and it's it's so that they can essentially track you. And I don't know. So if you if you print out something, it will uh they can they can trace it back to you, which I always find interesting because like they have no idea what printer I bought. So really all they can do is say, well, this thing over here was printed on the same printer as this other thing. So, you know, they can have enough evidence. But this post here. Actually, uh, shows a chart here, and it actually shows how this breaks down, so you can actually or, or
2: the, to be a little bit more clear how the series of dots have yeah decode properly.
0: Yeah, so how you can decode them into what they mean. So there's you know some parity bits on there, but then there's a time, a date, um, and then there's a serial number embedded in this thing, uh, which is really freaky. Um, and then sort of a side note too, if you go into like Photoshop and you uh, try to print out like a dollar bill or something. Like it actually tells you you can't do that. <laughs> so um, interesting restrictions in there, but this happens pretty much on any printer and you can use uh, the a certain type of light and or a microscope to take a look at these dots that are printed on every page. So is that like bummed us out enough now <laughs> to continue? Uh,
1: I'm going offline now to play dinosaurs. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> that makes me sad with the printers.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So let's talk to Sarah now. Cause that's why we're here. So we have all sorts of cool stuff to talk about, but I know one thing that you really want to talk about, and I'm super interested in this too. Um, I want to hear, I want to hear the inside track on this, but basically I know you're really big into, um, into the software guild and I want to hear like, what is the software guild or what is a software guild? I don't know if you want to differentiate or if we should just group them together, but you know, tell us what that is.
1: So The Software Guild, um, it is a 12-week boot camp. We teach people who want to learn programming for a second career, whether it's Java or C Sharp. We have two different tracks. They spend, uh, in our boot camp right now, they spend language fundamentals and web fundamentals and database fundamentals. So we're giving them what they need to learn in order to be able to function as entry level or possibly junior level, depending on their experience coming in. Um, uh, developer positions, tester positions, that kind of deal. And we're also starting a program uh, that's going to launch at the end of January next year, where you can go through our materials through an online format. So you're going to be able to from the comfort of your own home. You don't have to quit your job. You don't have to relocate to any of our... uh, Right now, we have three locations. Uh, We're located in Akron, Ohio. We're located in Minneapolis. And we're located in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, So if you want to come to the 12-week intense boot camp, you can go ahead and do that. But if you want to work from the comfort of your own home, don't want to quit your job, we have what uh, we call our online program where we're going to cover the same kind of materials over, I believe it's a nine-month period. Um, most of it is done online, but you'll still have some touch points where you're going to have to come in for a weekend or two or three or four and see who we are and have the in-person mentoring and in-person guidance that we can offer, as well as making sure that you're doing some team projects, things like that.
0: Okay. So that's pretty cool. So that's obviously going to open it up to a lot more people being able to do the majority of it from home. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So you call your students
2: apprentices, if I got yes. that term correctly. That so is how, correct. how, how, how do prospective apprentices find out about the software guild?
1: So we're a lot of people find us, um, we've done a lot of word of mouth marketing. Uh, you can find a lot from both our past alumni through, uh, there's a website called Quora, Q-U-O-R-A. Um, so people are reviewing about it there people just do a general search for coding boot camps, C Sharp, coding boot camps, Java, there aren't many out there for C Sharp and Java um, we've been around, the first cohort launched in June 2013 and so we've been around a while and we know what we're doing here
2: so you just have really good branding and word of mouth then.
1: It's really good branding, word of mouth. Um, we, so we used to be known as the Software Craftsmanship Guild, but then we got acquired by the Learning House. And the Learning House, uh, went, we just went through a rebranding process, and now we're just called Software Guild. So it's not such a mouthful to say, but we're still teaching the exact same thing, going through software craftsmanship skills, talking about things like don't repeat, do solid, going through unit testing, going through pair programming, talking about dependency injection, things like
0: that Carl people find out about it by listening to the MS dev show and <laughs> listening to Sarah on here <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um so what what does mentoring in, entail I'm trying I'm trying to you know picture what this looks like um, yeah, yeah. in and it backing up for just a second this is this is pretty cool because it it seems like such a great idea and you're right I, I haven't seen a ton of it right it's mm-hmm. it seems like something that just makes sense but it's Probably not as common as it should be, So, which no, I mean, seems to make it a great idea. <laughs>
1: it, it, the ones that you're going to find a lot of, there are a lot of Ruby boot camps. Not so much okay. C Sharp or Java. Um, and that's just yeah. how their communities work the reason why they went with C-Sharp and Java here, because the guild started here in Akron, Ohio, was the vision of Eric Wise. And he chose C-Sharp originally because, well, that's what his background was in. But C-Sharp and Java are the two major enterprise-level languages that are used in the Cleveland and Akron areas. Um, So for us, it just made sense that the demand is here in the area, and we wanted to use enterprise-level so that we knew that people were going to jobs that would be able to help them support their day-to-day lives.
0: Okay. And then what does mentoring entail?
1: So for mentoring, so what I do, I go back and forth between the C Sharp and Java groups. And that's just Mm -hmm. because my skill set, I am a a .NET MVP who's been dealing with C Sharp for a while. Um, I had Java in college, and I've been working with the Java group here for quite a while as well. Um, I go back and forth and help them answering questions. A typical day, actually, Uh, there are no two days that seem to be alike. Some days I walk in and I see that the instructors are doing some kind of of lecture. And so I'm looking at the apprentices and their faces and going, okay, they seem to be getting it. I'm okay here. Or, no, they need more examples. They need better stories to clarify what is object-oriented programming. What is polymorphism? What are interfaces? What exactly does that mean? Can you give us real-world examples? So that's some of the things I do. Um, Sometimes they might be like, you know what, I think I get this, but can you throw another exercise at me to make sure that I understand what's going on? Sometimes it might be a a day where I come in and the instructors have said, well, we have a problem with a particular apprentice. The Fallen behind a couple days? Can you help get them back up to speed? Um, so it's I'm either helping the instructors and making sure the apprentices are up to speed, or the apprentices are approaching me. Um, I'm also in. So we have a, a, a Slack channel. Who doesn't have a Slack channel nowadays? Mm-hmm. Um, so they they can ping me in Slack and say, Hey, Sarah, we have questions about this. We have questions about that. Um, and then I can offer real world experience. I can offer guidance as to, okay, this is how it works. And then what happens? So part of our program is teaching them the technical part of it is teaching them things like teamwork. And so pair programming and how to work with pairs and how to deal with the tensions that might come. Uh, we're getting close to one of the groups is toward the end where they're interviewing for jobs while working on a team project. Well, some of them are in from throughout the US or throughout the world so they're getting homesick as well. So as a, a mentor I'm definitely helping them to understand how to manage it and how to feel a little more comfortable about everything. Uh, sometimes I'm just a, a sounding board for them and sometimes they just need to vent. They're going through all sorts of stresses, they don't know what to do with it, and so then they communicate that to me. And then I can work, I have another teaching assistant here, um, who him and I are constantly comparing notes on them and seeing, okay, what's working, what's not working, who's got what kind of problems, and how can we make this a lot better? Because our goals, both as the instructors and as the mentors, are to make sure that our apprentices are fit with the skills uh, that they can go ahead and take an entry-level position.
0: You must just learn a ton doing that, too.
1: Oh, it's fun. I mean, for me, it, it's, I've got people from all walks of life. We've had people from right out of high school, kids who are coming on college break. Yeah. So over the, they'll come over the summer to get a real-world perspective of how do we apply all of this and then go back to the theory world. Um, and then we also have people who have no experience whatsoever. They just happen to be good at solving problems and have this passion inside that they think they can do it. And then we're here to show them this is how to do it. And they're like, whoa, this is cool. I get this. It's like when you teach yeah. a kid how to ride a bike and have to take the training wheels off and then they realize that they're riding and you let go of the seat way back when. This is, <laughs> this is That's that kind of feeling I get with these guys. Is they don't understand. Our hands are probably off the seat more than they realize
2: they actually yeah.
0: have it. Carl, I got to interrupt this for just a second, and I want to talk about Infragistics.
2: Yeah, if you comment uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on our website, you have a chance to win the ultimate license from Infragistics, and this is pretty cool because it covers a lot of stuff. Um, They have controls for Android, iOS, Windows Phone, Windows 8, ASP.NET, MVC, WPF, jQuery, HTML5, just tons of stuff. And they even have stuff for Xamarin Forms. So if you're trying to hit all three major mobile platforms with one, they got controls to help you out there. If you need tabular stuff uh, with their grids, they got really cool controls to help make that look uh, just really sharp. Charting, gauges, barcodes, it's all pretty simple using their controls. And if you just have some uh, simple prototyping needs, they have a product called Indigo Studio too. It lets you get that prototype done. So you can show this to the stakeholders and, you know, sell your ideas.
0: Yeah. What I love about that, you can just send them a link and they can actually navigate through the app. But uh, what, like you mentioned earlier, all of these controls across all these different platforms, this is great. I mean, most people don't just develop one type of app now. So being able to to go and use these controls in every type of app, all under one ultimate license is, is really big plus.
2: If we don't select you uh, each week, you could try again next week. And... If you can't wait they have free demos so you can try it out for a month download the demos and try it today
0: yeah check it out at infragistics.com they're a free trial so you have nothing to lose and remember each week if we pick your comment on the show you get the ultimate edition for free which includes everything we thank them for their support of the ms dev show that, that that's just really cool though because you know there's times when somebody asks me a question or I'll, I'm, I'm teaching something mm-hmm. and you know I'll I'll answer it or I'll'll I'll explain something and I'm like please don't ask anything else. Please don't ask anything. Cause I, you know, <laughs> cause I don't know it that well. And, and you're sort of forced. It sounds like you're forced like every time like you know, it, it, you know, if they, if they say like, what are interfaces and you explain it and they're like, I don't get it. And it's like, you know, you have to explain it a different way. And they might say, oh, yep. I still don't get it. And then you have to explain it another way. So like you really, really, really have to understand all those fundamentals. And that I, I would think whenever you're, whenever you're uh, creating things that that must really help you as well.
1: I mean, it helps me. It For me, having to tell them over and over what's an interface and how to apply it and how to do this and how to do that, it forces me to remember what the fundamentals are like. It forces yeah. me to remember the terminology and reinforces the fact that I really do know what I'm talking about. The fact that these words just kind of come out very easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've learned working with, especially this group that I'm working with now, uh, they like Legos. All of them. On, and that first week I asked, okay, how many of you guys played Legos when you were kids? And the one's like, played, I still play now. I'm like, that's perfect. But that's the reason why
0: we have kids, right?
1: Exactly, so that we get to play with their toys. Oh, I yeah. take away my kids' Legos when they misbehave, and I feel bad for taking them away, but then again, I get to play with them. So, <laughs> <laughs> nice. But it's one of those, I ask that question because I'm like, I want to find something everybody relates to, so then I can use yeah. analogies, and I can say, okay, a for loop or a while loop, these are two different kind of blocks. This is a variable, it's mm-hmm. that little one-by-one one block. Okay, now we're going to build a wall now that you have all these little blocks. And then we turn them loose on a team project and say, and now that you guys know how to build a wall, let's build a fort. It doesn't have a roof. Mm-hmm. It has the, the three other walls in addition to that wall they built. But they're learning how to put all these pieces together and then to work as a team to do that too.
0: Very cool.
2: So how does this education differ than a traditional tech school or university? And as a little bit of background, you know, I, I went to tech school and then I went to university, kind of separate full tracks. So I kind of always thought that the way that we teach them at each one isn't quite right.
1: Yeah, so I, and to give you guys background, so I have a four-year degree from a university, and it was just one of those, uh, for, so my, I have a bachelor of science in computer science and engineering technology. Basically, I started in computer science and engineering, which was all theory-based, and moved to a hands-on application uh, program, which is computer science and engineering technology, uh, which was fun because I got to apply the stuff rather than going theory-based. Here in the Guild, we talk about real-world examples. All of the instructors, we have over 15 years' experience, each of us, and we're talking about the stuff that we've seen, and we're, all of our experiences are in that curriculum. Uh, we built the curriculum, actually Eric Wise started it, and then we had Eric Ward come in on the Java side, and we keep adding feedback. So for us, it's, we have a curriculum that we have control over. Um, we don't go through like an ABET accreditation process. We have to, we're uh, accredited by the state, uh, in various spots because of, Laws, of course. Um, but we don't have to go through an accreditation process and wait two or three years for our, our changes to get into place. So we're staying up on technology a lot quicker than a traditional two or four year program would. Um, we're offering different perspectives because our personal stories are all coming through in the curriculum and the way we uh, teach things and the way we come across with the examples and even in the way we do our labs. So like in college, I can remember we would get labs that, they're like, oh, go print this out, go print that out. And if you happen to be in a position where you had a TA who was grading it, you knew that the TA would go, oh, this screenshot looks good, I'm just going to to pass us. I don't care what your code looks like. So we didn't have anybody really to ensure that. Here, we're looking at our apprentice's code to make sure that they are coding properly and aren't just doing C out and, and giving us output. The, we want to make sure that they're doing it the right way. We want to make sure that if they are copying and pasting code, that they can tell us, All right, we saw that you copy paste that. What is that doing line by line? So we want to make sure that they have that in there. Um, so we're a lot more paying attention to the details that what you would see in a college thing. And I think our admissions process for a while there um, was also different because with the admissions process here, you can go online, fill out the application, and then you have to go through a process where you have to answer questions. Um, there's a, a test of some sort where an assessment test gauges. Do you do pattern uh, recognition? Do you do problem solving? Do you do logic? What part of that do you understand and to what, ex- uh, to what extent? And then sometimes you may uh, meet with a admissions counselor or with the instructor, be it over Skype, over phone, in person, just to, to learn more about, well, do you fit in there? You might have to write an essay to show us that you understand why are you motivated in here. We use all that to gauge, okay, are you going to be a good fit? And then from there, uh, we, sign, we en- enroll you in. And then... About six to eight weeks before your uh, boot camp starts, you get pre-work. So we want you to learn about HTML and CSS and JavaScript before you come in. So that when you come in, you're learning the language fundamentals. And then you also have the pre-work to fall back on when we get into web. So it's it's crazy intense, the stuff that we get into here.
0: Yeah. So would you say, you know, when I was at college, there, were, <laughs> there was an interesting mix of people. So it was... You know, there was there was a group of of people that were just like, "Why? Well, I, I just want to make lots of money," which was funny because if that's why you're going into it, then you're not going to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then and then there was another group that was, you know, they they just had no idea if that's really what they wanted to do. And then there was this other group that were like, "Well, yeah, this is definitely what we want to do." So I was I was kind of wondering, is this a good way? to, you know, if, if somebody is kind of on the fence, like I have a, I have a cousin, he's like, yeah, I am pretty sure this is what I want to get into, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Like, would this be a good way to, to, you know, sort of, uh, fail fast or, or, you know, sort of confirm that without going to, you know, I guess ecology of a couple of years of prerequisites, which is, which is fine. Uh, but then we had like so much theory, and by the time we actually were writing code, it's like I'm a I'm a junior, senior, you know, fourth fourth year, fifth year, whatever, and uh, it was it was just crazy late in that, and you you almost need something earlier to to just see if if they enjoy it at all. It seems like if they're if they're in in you know the, like a software guild like this, mm-hmm. they're going to know probably. I would think in like the first, maybe even the, you know, like the second week or something, if if it's right for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, one so once they're here in Akron or also in our Louisville and Minneapolis locations, um, we can see them in person. We can see how they're responding to, one, our teaching style and two, to the pace. And so we can Mm -hmm. pick up and see one, first of all, is the boot camp style appropriate? And second of all, is development the right route for them? Uh, And we could tell just from language fundamentals, okay, maybe they might be better off with web and database. We can hope for that. Or maybe they don't have the right determination. They don't have the right motivation. They don't have what it takes to get through the field. Um, We've had people who haven't done the, the work and they end up not making it through the program because they didn't exert the effort. They didn't go through the extra research. They didn't talk to their instructors or teaching assistants when they needed help. Um, so we've seen that where we've had uh, some people who are just like eh, they don't really do well, but we catch those. We try to catch them early on so that they're not mm-hmm. spending all their money and and failing for no reason.
0: Okay, cool. And then the graduates, do they? Um you know, what kind of success rate did they see? You know, you don't, you don't necessarily have to throw out like a, a percentage, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, for me, you know, it's, it's kind of funny or it shouldn't say for me for, for computer science in general, I think, you know, like you have a computer science degree, I have a computer science degree and, uh, going, you know, in the early days, like you needed that. It just had, to, it was just like a checkbox that you had to check off. I don't know if that's it almost seems like that's less of a case now. And and also, as you go further and as you get further in your career, like it just at some point, it just doesn't matter anymore. But if they have nothing else on their resume, plus they don't have that check check, you know, that checkmark checked off. Um, is is this like a, a a good substitute for that? Or I mean, like, what, what are you seeing happening when they finish this?
1: So. It it all depends on what happens throughout the cohort, usually. So we have a network, we call our employer network, um, who they have hired past apprentices. They know the quality of work that we put out. They know what our curriculum covers. They know what to expect from our apprentices. So working with them, it's easy to go from it's easier to go from our program to them because they know what we're all about. Um, okay. We've had some graduates who have gone to companies outside of our network. And the tough part for the, uh, going to companies outside of our network is the fact that we don't have that touch point. So they don't know necessarily what they're getting out of us. So they, some employers have seen us as, oh, it's just another boot camp, And so they're quick to dismiss it. Um, but yeah. the ones who do their research and find out what we're about, what we're covering, they're a little bit surprised to see that we're, covering things such as dependency injection. I mean, that's something that I didn't expect my juniors to know. Um, yeah. So for us to cover it in the classroom, number one, and number two, for them to get that, it thrills me. Uh, when we talk about yeah. unit testing, we're doing J unit on Java and, and unit on the um, C sharp side and the C sharp side. And are about spec flow. I mean, yeah. this is stuff. And they that usually don't talk don't about
0: that in stuff in university. I think that no. was the point you were making earlier, Carl was, you know, like I, I had one database class, And it was kind of a joke, and then you know I never had anything on testing. I never had anything that ever talked about anything remotely compared to um, dependency injection or any of those things. And granted, you know I think to Carl's point, the the tech schools and the universities are a little bit different there. Like I, you know, we I you know we talked about like big O notation, you Mm -hmm. know, for hours and days and days, which is sort of good. (laughs) Yeah, which is kind of good foundationally, but you know, I, I'm pretty sure that, that everybody there forgot about it and then they still shot themselves in the foot. So, you know, if you're, if you have one good session on that and you show them like, here's how you shoot yourself in the foot, here's how you, you know, aim slightly to the right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's, uh. Uh, I can see that would be a huge benefit.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think that's a benefit to the boot camp environment is that we have these different experiences from our employers, And so we're pulling this thin, but we're also showing you this is how you shoot yourself in the foot very quickly. Um, If you're one of those guys who has to touch the burner and get burned to understand you don't touch burners, we will let you do that. But then we will also tell you why you shouldn't do that and how to avoid that going further.
2: Yeah. So you talked about your employer network, you know, how hard was that building up and did you have any kind of, you know, hurdles in convincing uh, employers, you know, of the quality of what you produced?
1: Um so I can't really talk to that too much in terms of how he went from building it up just because that was Eric Eric Wise. So in June 2013 when I came here unofficially just to see uh, Eric Stream come into to uh, fruition. I was just looking at it going this is amazing, but he was one guy in one room in the startup accelerator, and he was doing everything. He was doing the administrative. he was doing the coming up with the curriculum, he was doing the teaching, he was doing the reaching out to the people, the networks. So I'm sure he had to go through various events to network with people in the community to say, hey, this is my idea, this is my dream, this is what we're about. Um, and then as time has gone on, it's gotten a little bit easier to get out to people, because we have our alumni who are now out in the field talking about us. We have people who they know who are talking about us. We have me who's talking about us, who's talking to wider groups mm-hmm. of people. So it's one of those when we can tell our stories a lot more and when people are seeing the quality that we're putting out, that helps a ton for us to bring in more employers into it. The problem that we run into is some of the employers, though, is that whole they have to have a degree, Sometimes it's, they just have to have yep. a degree. It doesn't matter what it's in, which is okay because we have a lot of people who come in with degrees. Um, but some, sometimes we we'll run into these employers who are like, they have to have a computer science degree and it has to be yeah. at least a master. You master's. might not want to
0: work there, I would say, though. Ex- well, <laughs> you know, if I mean, what... if, it's, if it's literally a checkbox with HR, and, <laughs> and I mean, if, if that's what it really is, then I would, that, that's a red flag to me.
1: Yeah, and that's a lot of our, our getting into companies. We're finding developers, we're finding team leads, and we're talking with them and letting them help us to open the doors to HR, so that we know what their f- official route is. We're yeah. letting our developers that are that we already know in the field lead us to recruiters, who can then lead us into companies as well. So yeah. we, we've got ways of getting in. It's just a matter of getting in with them, and it's grown considerably from what we had back in in June of 2013. But at the same time it's one of those we're constantly having to tell people this is what we do this is how awesome we are better yet come to one of our locations meet our instructors see what we're about
0: yeah because the reality is there are so many companies out there that cannot find enough good people so if they if they learn about this as a, as a source of good people, they're going to keep coming back. So, I mean, that, that, that just starts that, that good cycle. And I could even see some of the old, uh, the students, you know, after they, they get placed eventually coming back and hiring more people from there. So that's just going to reinforce that, that whole cycle. But, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough now I've, I've talked to to so many companies and I've talked to so many that just like, they, they talk to me and they're like, we cannot find enough good people. And I have, I've even had many companies say hey, you know, we can't find enough people. And if you ever are unhappy in your job, (laughs) make sure you come talk to us. And if Mm -hmm. you know anybody, make sure that they come talk to us. And (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, it's like that. And it it is funny because there's this mismatch because there's this group of people that say, Oh, there's no jobs out there. And then there's the, these companies I'm telling you, they would hire, they would hire 20 people like at the snap of a finger. If they knew, if they knew that they met the, their requirements and that they were good developers, that that is the reality of, of what's out there right now
2: yeah so what one, one of the things that I was wondering too, is looking at back on kind of your perspective what are what are some of the things uh joys perhaps that you get out of being a mentor?
1: Oh, for me, the main thing is those those aha moments, the light bulb turning on when people are just like what is it that they said about this? And then they finally get it. So toward the end of our 12-week boot camps, I end up doing a lot of mock interviews, and so I'm grilling them on, okay, what's dependency injection? What's interfaces? What's polymorphism? And going on through all the different terms, and then listening to them tell their story of, well, this is this, and this is my understanding of that. And I can remember there was one of my apprentices, we were doing a mock interview, and in the middle of her mock interview, she was like... Whoa! That's what you guys mean when you say, when you say everything is an object, and I'm like. Yes, I'm like you had that aha moment here at week ten, but that was awesome that you had that in the middle of the interview with me here. It was just so for me, it's seeing that they get it and seeing that they come in at week one or even in the free work, and that some of them have confidence issues to the point where they're totally doubting themselves. They're like, you know, I signed up for this, but at the same time, I'm not really sure, very uncertain. So to see them go from low confidence levels to toward the end, getting it with those aha moments, seeing their confidence boost, I just I love that because. To me, the people that we're releasing into the field are my peers, and these are my future. This is when I'm out of the field; they're going to be writing the code, and hopefully, they're going to be writing code much cleaner than I ever <laughs>
0: oh, wrote. Oh, you know that—that's a scary thought, right? It's the—it's the code for like you know your self-driving car, right? <laughs> or the, the and the airplane that you're flying on, and. Yeah, yeah. So yeah,
1: these are my, these are my self-driving cars and self-flying plane people. Um, yeah. so I want to yeah. make sure so that the bar right just went out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure guys, but make sure that their unit tests strapped around this and that they all pass. Don't just assert true.
0: Yeah. Wait, wait. We shouldn't have mentioned that news story. I'm going to edit out the, uh, <laughs> the Volkswagen library. <laughs> Hopefully these students aren't Volkswagen it. it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to use that verb and they're going to be like, what? And I'm like, you guys got to listen to the podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, you mentioned doing like mock interviews too. So you yes. actually do like mock job interviews?
1: So we do mock job interviews. We do mock technical oh, that's interviews as well. such a good ad- well.
0: idea. Yeah, cuz I I you know, I wish I had recordings of some of the interviews that I've done and it, you know, honestly, like some of them might have good, been good people, but it's just it is it is just crazy how bad some of these people interview and especially for going to school for 4 years and and usually it's like I'll ask you know like what kind of work have you done? You know, what have you done outside of like school you know as far as like writing any kind of code and like uh nothing it's like are you kidding me (laughs) and then then they just sit there and like stare at you and it's oh man like do you guys really have a
1: passion to come into the field i mean seriously side projects hobbies they're cool
0: yeah. And it's great. I mean, if you do a mock interview, like yeah, that's, that's going to be ex- like a parent right away. Cause you're going to ask them, they're going to say, Oh, I don't know. And they don't, they're not going to want to feel like that in the real world. They're not going to want to, you know, have that, that deer in the headlights moment. So exactly. um, the, mo- the mock interviews very, are
1: nice. Cool. The mock interviews are nice because I can answer questions for them as they're asking the question. So I'll ask a question like, okay, tell me about a time where you had a, to work with a difficult team member and how did you handle it? And they might stop and look at me and get all nervous. And then I tell them the reason why I'm asking this is this is what employers are looking for. Yeah. And they're just like, Oh, okay. So that, and they yeah, it's, not, because, it's about to
0: find a name. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> it's not really what I'm asking, but this is what I'm trying to find out. And I always tell yep. them like, I'm going to throw normal HR questions with, at you. If you want them, I will throw technical questions. So the whole, what, what are these different terms? Uh, what's MVC? Uh, what's, what's an inject? What is, what spring framework do I could ask stuff like that? Or I always tell them, I always have this one backup question that I had from my very first boss outside of college. And, uh, she asked me if you were a, a Muppet, who would you be and why? <laughs>
0: nice. And, uh, so Carl, what's your biggest weakness? yeah <laughs> don't you I, hate I, that? I'm too generous oh. That's- oh I hate that one <laughs> luckily I've never been asked that yeah I'm too generous i know
1: what's oh. your big, biggest weakness I am subjected to stupid questions like <laughs>
0: yeah i i you know like I've had prepared answers but I'm like I really hope that never comes up because that's that is all that is like it half of a red flag to me too because it's like why are you asking why are you asking me that like what yeah. what do you legitimately want? You know, do you want me to say something I'm terrible at? You know, oh I just I hate people. <laughs> I yeah, can't stand yeah. them. <laughs> it, it's
1: just it's ridiculous. And so I also I don't know, have you guys heard of the website Growth Everywhere? Nope. So, growtheverywhere.com, um, when I was doing mock interviews a few cohorts back, they did a, a article, or they had a book on 403 interview questions, and they group them. So, if you ever are doing interviews uh, interviews and need questions, Growth Everywhere's oh, cool. their site is full of all sorts of stuff like that.
0: Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Luckily, it's not a medical condition. Um, so <laughs> uh, for people who would like to become uh, mentors, what what is yes. some advice that you have for them?
1: Um, if you want to be a mentor, uh, go for it, whether it's formal or informal. I mean, I happen to be lucky enough to have a, a formal position where I, my title here at the Guild is developer mentor. Um, mm. So I have a formal position, but there are ways you can volunteer in the community. Go to user groups and meet uh, people who are just getting into the field. Talk with them and offer to guide them into things. Um, Do a search online uh, for mentor positions, or in our example, we're actually hiring. We're hiring for our Akron and uh, Louisville positions for teaching assistants. So you're gonna see that our mentors are also teaching assistants nowadays. Go by various terms. Um, But it's one of those that we serve as role models and guides, and also supplemental support for the instructors. It's fun. Wake up, Carl. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What what else are you working on these days other than the the software guild and mentoring?
1: Other th- other than the guild and mentoring the things that I'm working on uh so I blog over codinggeekat.com. I've been working on resurrecting my blog, resurrecting my social media presence uh being on Twitter The Sudoku causing all sorts of trouble talking with people from uh, whether it's C-Sharp side of things, whether it's Java, whether it's a different technology altogether. Um, Nothing big coming up just yet that I can talk about. Um, Oh, so you got
0: something big coming up.
1: I do have (laughs) something big coming up, but it's not at a point where I can say, hey, guys, look at this cool thing yet. Um,
0: So what episode number will we be on? (laughs) (laughs) on. (laughs) Yeah, you'll have to come back and talk about uh whatever this thing is.
1: I will definitely come back and let you guys know once it's a little more formal.
0: Okay. That sounds cool. Um is there anything else you wanted to mention? Um
1: I don't know.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it sounds pretty cool.
0: I I I you know I was saying I I think that this is um it just even even if we're not talking about, like I said, the software guild, if we talk mm-hmm. about the concept itself, I think there's I think there's a lot to learn there, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I've thought about I've, I've talked to the, the local tech school a few times about um, going in there and, and usually my my random travel schedule is is the problem. Mm-hmm. But I've also talked to the university about just doing, you know, some teaching there. Um, but you know, there's probably a lot of other ways to to do this this type of thing where you can you can, like you mentioned, you can mentor somebody on the side. Yeah. Because um, I I really do think that's the best way to learn. Because otherwise. You know, what ends up happening is you you do come up with, you know, a way of communicating something and, and you're you know, you are crossing your fingers that they don't ask any questions because the you know, the house of cards is just gonna fall apart, right? Yeah, it's, um, it's awesome. You're like,
1: no. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. So um, you know, I'd love to, you know, build up that foundation that way. So um yeah. that's why I think it's such a cool concept.
1: Well, and I think for me, what helps is I've had great mentors throughout my career. Um, and not necessarily through an official mentoring process, um, mm-hmm. but it's just one of those, like right out of high school, I had an internship with a, a company. My whole internship role was taking data sheets and making sure that they were keyed into a database properly. But then they had this other project where it was, they had an access database that they were moving to SQL Server and to Visual Basic. And at that point, I had played with Visual Basic as a hobby thing, so I knew what Visual Basic was, I knew what Access was, I knew how to talk from Visual Basic to Access. I had no idea what the heck SQL Server was. But Mm -hmm. they assigned me to work with a contractor, and the guy saw that I had a passion for databases, so he showed me SQL Server and how it and then he also took me upstairs to meet the Oracle DBA, and so to see how he just took me under his wing, he saw my passion, he saw my energy, and he fed that. That spoke volumes to me. And then later on in my career, so I'm sure you guys both know Jeff Blankenberg. He yep. Used to work for.
0: Yeah, he used to be on my team actually.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's also been very instrumental in my career. So I met him at a user okay. group at uh, late 2007, and he had okay. said to check out Twitter, and I was just like, "Listen, buddy." I have another friend who told <laughs> I had another friend who told me to check out Twitter. I looked at Twitter and said this is the stupidest thing ever. It's going to go nowhere. I'm not going on it. So when Jeff mentioned it in his user group presentation, I was just like, really? This is the same site that my friend Nivex told me months earlier and I said it was going nowhere and it's still around. It should be going nowhere. What the heck?
0: (laughs) But I got. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's sort of true.
1: (laughs) I got on Twitter on there. (laughs) I eventually did get on Twitter and started listening to Jeff said follow people and see conversations and you'll eventually join in and get comfortable. Um, and then from there he talked to me about speaking at user groups, which I had done in college and then had forgotten about. Um, but he just, he has opened many doors for me throughout my career. And so having him take me under his wing and show me the ropes through the field has also been very helpful as well. So yeah. when you have people who can mentor you like that, I think it's one of those, like, I'm lucky. I feel like I'm lucky to have these things and I want others to have this as well.
0: Yeah. We had him on in episode 18. If anybody wants to check that out, that was a while ago in, uh, in, in the timeline of our podcast. Uh okay, Carl, what do you have for the dev tip of the week?
2: All right, so this week I was helping um on the side project for myself. I was helping a local nonprofit set up uh, their website on Azure, and they don't have a whole lot of money, so I set it up as shared just to you know to be as you know save them as much money as possible. Mm-hmm. And with well, trying to keep HTTPS everywhere, um, you can't directly set. An SSL certificate on a shared site in Azure, you need to go up a notch to get a dedicated host. And that's just not in their budget. And then I came across this website, this blog post from Troy Hunt, uh, who's really well known for security. And he said if you use a service called Cloudflare, you can add a free SSL certificate for free with their free layer. So, Just trying to emphasize how much this costs. Yeah, it's a lot of free. Um, (laughs) How much does it
0: cost, Carl, for this free service?
2: It's no cost. Ah, okay. Um, But anyways, what you do is um, on your DNS, you set up uh, the name servers to be Cloudflare's name servers, and they will add uh, the SSL certificate on their side, and then that'll flow through to your shared website on Azure. So the instructions uh, will be in the show notes at
0: Troy Hunt's blog site. What I didn't look at, how do you, so is your site still public? I mean, theoretically. Yes. Oh, okay. But so it uses, oh, you can use a self-signed certificate. Okay. Between behind the scenes there. Okay. That makes sense. What I wasn't sure about is if somebody can just go to the non-secure site site still, but um, it looks like you can still secure that as well, which is pretty cool. Um, so that actually brings up my Azure pick of the week, which is the Azure application gateway. So what does this do? It does the same thing as what you're talking about. <laughs> Actually, it does a few things. So it will do SSL offload is really what they call it. So you basically have you know, a front end where you can uh, attach that SSL certificate to and use that on the front end and then have that go to some back end services. What's nice about this is it's a little bit more closely integrated with um you know the the other Azure services so like traffic manager and the the Azure load balancer so I would say for for anything beyond you know like your nonprofit, there I would take a look at this service um so this one is not free unfortunately but it's a little bit I would say this is you know this is, you know, you you're you're talking about like a a bike or something and this is like a bulldozer. So <laughs> um so this year it, it ends up being uh less than twenty bucks a month for the you know to start. And then you do have to pay some some bandwidth fees, which would be, you know, in, in my experience, bandwidth fees for for most people, especially for websites, are going to be Uh, approaching zero anyway so it's really not a big deal but the gateway itself like i said starts at 19 bucks this will also do uh basically like sticky sessions where you can uh, get a cookie and always stay on the same azure server so normally azure your sites, uh, if you have multiple servers, they get put behind a load balancer so that you're switching between servers on the back end. Uh, but sometimes that's kind of a pain because if you're talking to one server for, for some kind of operation um, and then you get disconnected and you, you reconnect, you could connect to a different server. So that, you know, depending on what your application is, that, that could be uh, not good. So this will use cookies to make sure that you're always stuck to the same server. So it's kind of a cool service. It's relatively new. Um, I recommend checking that out. And it played right into what you were talking about. So Sarah, we play this game on here. Actually, I'm going to ask this in a different way. So you're, you're going to be my guinea pig. Oh. I need you to pick a question between zero and five.
1: Between zero a number. and
0: five. Yeah. Mm, four. Ah, it worked. Okay. <laughs> so zero and five actually were not valid options, <laughs> but everybody picks three. Cause I normally say between one and four. Okay. So I said, I said between zero and five. So I tricked you into that one. Okay. So this is a game for kids, but um, you know, we were talking about Lego so we can play this. Would you rather have to use a toilet that is really, really mm-hmm. filthy and gross or one that's clean but where the water is bubbling in the bottom, and you think that it's going to spout up at any time—that's oh, <laughs> we, what the card <laughs> says. Yeah. Oh my god! So
1: would I rather go on a dirty toilet or on one that's so, yeah. bubbling? So it's like and guaranteed, to come to guaranteed
0: anytime. to be dirty, or one that is just not—it's just going to be like you know a uh, 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 you know firecracker in a toilet, like from a movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> please don't explode. Please don't explode uh, at the risk of, I don't want the exploding toilet. I'll take the dirty one and I'll just put toilet <laughs> and paper and put the on the lid. Cause it's, yeah. it's a known entity. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, it's a known and I can work around that if I need to. Where's yeah. the exploding one?
0: Oh, not so long. Okay. Pick a number, Carl. One. Okay. After finishing a meal, would you rather learn that your pork was actually hamster meat or that the red beans in your chili were actually beetles?
2: Um, I'm more for alternate meats and less for insects, so I'll go for the hamster meat.
0: Okay. (laughs) That's, that's fine, Carl. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not saying anything about that. I think beetles though, aren't they like super healthy for you?
1: Yeah. I was going to say I'd go with the insects just because I I have rodents of my own and, uh,
0: Seriously, what is wrong with you, Carl? <laughs> <laughs> I, the podcast isn't that long, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> on the next episode, we dive into what's wrong with Carl. Okay. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think that's our signal to, to wrap this up. So where can people find you, Sarah?
1: So I can be found on Twitter. I am Saduki, S-A-D-U-K-I-E. S-A-D-U-K-I-E. I am Saduki, okay. also on Facebook and LinkedIn and pretty much any other social media place that you need to find me.
2: Um, okay. And I also blog at codingeeket.com.
0: Okay, very cool domain name. And Carl, where can people find you?
2: You can find me at wpdevguy.com or on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer.
0: And you can find me at ytechie.com or on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. So, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on here and talking to us. It was an absolute pleasure.
1: Oh, thank you, Jason. Thank you, Carl. This was awesome.
0: Be sure to subscribe by searching for MS Dev Show in your favorite podcasting app. Leave us a review at iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast aggregator of choice. Visit us at msdevshow.com where you can leave comments, check out our links, show notes, and more. Visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash msdevshow. You can send us your comments and feedback directly to feedback at msdevshow.com.